Calling all benders and non-benders alike. Jump into the epic world of Avatar with your favorite podcast, Avatar, Braving the Elements. Hosted by me, Janet Varney. And me, Dante Bosco. Each week we'll recap and discuss a new episode. So come join us and our amazing guests from creators to cast to superfans to chat about all things Avatarverse. It's Fire Nation time. Book of Fire. Let's go. Listen to Avatar Braving the Elements wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome to Marvel Vision, a podcast about Marvel, the MCU, and Loki, I'm Alex. Loki, I'm Justin. <laughs> it just feels very sing-song, you gotta say it in a sing-song way, because it was such a happy, fun episode today. We're having fun, people are falling in love, people mm-hmm. are all falling in friendship, <laughs> people are maybe being tr- pruned from their timelines for the rest of, of time. Uh, lots happening classic stuff we're going to be talking about episode four the nexus event the latest episode of loki and requisite spoiler warning here if you haven't watched it go watch it we already spoiled it we already mentioned several it's details. over it's the too podcast late. is over that's all i have to say <laughs> yeah we're good but yeah again we're going to be talking about this episode the big broad strokes though so much went down in this episode is sylvie and loki are left on lamentus one they are thinking that they're going to die and as judson mentioned seemingly falling in love at the same time that gives us a new very interesting spike that i'm sure we're going to talk about on the sacred timeline but it also alerts mobius and the rest of the tva to their location so they are able to be rescued except The rescue involves them being captured and interrogated, leads to a bunch of different events, including the return of Lady Sif from Asgard, and thanks to a time loop, Loki and Mobius kind of cement their friendship as Loki reveals that Mobius and everybody else of the TVA are actually variants. Sylvie, meanwhile, turns Hunter B-20, Hunter B-15? B-15. It's Hunter B-15 and Hunter C-20. It's hard to keep that. Take your B-15 in the morning, and mm-hmm. then you can uh, <laughs> take your C-20 gotcha. in the evening. Energy for the day. So she manages to turn Hunter B-15 thanks to her memories. She's been kind of breaking down a little bit ever since the events over at Roxcart a couple of episodes back. And Ravona Renslayer, meanwhile, Judge Renslayer, Slayer brings them in front of the timekeepers. The timekeepers, as we suspected, turn out to be puppets. They're just very basic robots. They don't seemingly exist. Over the course of this, Mobius gets proved for the timeline, heartbreaking. Uh. And then, right at the end there, as Loki is about to confess his love or something for Sylvie, he gets proved as well. And unfortunately, that is it for Loki, R.I.P. Loki, unless... You stayed through the credits and watched the credits because there is a tag there at the end. In fact, not too much of a surprise. Loki is okay. And we meet not one, not two, but four additional four additional Lokis. You missed one, didn't you? Where, where was the fourth one? Was there a tiny one? There's an alligator Loki. Oh, shit. Cool. Yeah. Kid Loki is holding an alligator Loki. So wild stuff there at the end. Lots to talk about. But let's jump back because we were talking about this very briefly before we jumped on. This episode was awesome. This show is so good. It is very good. And I'll tell you, well, what they're doing is they're just giving us all inf- this information, some of which we suspected, but I, that's satisfying. While at the same time, giving us all all these more, all these extra mysteries that we still don't really even understand what the context is for them. I had to check the episode number 
about three quarters of the way through here when they were confronting the timekeepers and everything that was going down and everybody was being erased because I really thought I'd miscounted and this was the fifth out of six episodes, not the fourth out of six episodes. So clearly there's a lot more going on. I don't know, and I'm sure we'll talk about this at the end. I don't know if we're going to get a flashback episode. Sylvie confronts uh, Ravona and says, tell me everything. So maybe we'll get a whole history of the TVA going on here and a big reveal in the next episode. But man crazy crazy stuff and uh, like you said also emotional like very emotional throughout which i was very surprised about yeah and really like they're doing this sort of rom-com thing with both loki and a little bit uh, mobius where it's like look we're friends we should really work together and get through this but they're really playing it straight and then the Mm -hmm. whole like do you think that loki loves sylvie i think Maybe. I, it's an interesting thing to think about in the grand context of the world, because obviously there was a big deal the last episode that Loki was made canonically queer. He uh, is bisexual or pansexual. You know, they didn't necessarily specify, but certainly they were very clear about the fact that he's been with both men and women. So not that it negates that in any way, but cementing him in a weird relationship with a woman who is also himself is an interesting way to go with that. But I think, I mean, my suspicion when I saw that branching timeline and it was a gold one, you have that conversation that Mobius and Hunter B-15? Yep. Great. Take your B-15 in the morning and you can hunt all all day long. I'm getting it. When they talk about it, that seems like that's probably the correct timeline, right? Like we're going to get some sort of love is the thing you should follow, whether that's friendship, love, or romantic love. You know, you, you sound like end. you're struggling to even say these words. You're like, love, love? What is, is love what we need to be doing? Oh, yeah. I'm one of those timekeeper robots. I don't I know if I mentioned it. that. Should have established Keep your head that. On. The, yeah. Keep your yeah. head on your neck. I um, thought of talk like that. <laughs> I need the, to watch it with subtitles because it's very echoey, blah, blah, blah. Mm, good. That's just behind the curtain. Uh, Wizard of Oz reference. Um yeah, I think we're going to get a reveal, um, perhaps next episode, that um, cuts through their romance, revealing Sylvie to be, not be a Loki, to be the mm-hmm. enchantress, as we've sus- suspected. And she's enchanted Loki, and that's why he's feeling that way. This gets into another thing, and I know we're just sort of jumping all over the place here, but we get to see Kaylee Fleming, who plays Judith Grimes on The Walking Dead, as young Sylvie towards the beginning of the episode. This was also very surprising to me, just in terms of, uh, this is part of the plot, but how early Sylvie was taken by the TVA. She asks towards the end of the episode when they're going up the elevator, she asks Ravona, what was my Nexus event? Ravona says she can't remember. She's probably lying about that. She probably doesn't. I think she's lying. (laughs) Probably. That feels like something to zing. That's like a TVA burn where you're like, Mm -hmm. oh, I don't even remember your Nexus event. Oh! Uh, But what do you think it could possibly be? What could the Nexus event be from a Loki or a Mora or whoever she is so young that could cause her to be pruned from the timeline. I think we're my suspicion, because it is like, what could that, the way they were like, erase her, get rid of these toys. These toys are dangerous <laughs> with their <laughs> yeah. little boat and stuff. I was like, oh yeah, what is she playing at? But I, I think what we're going to find out maybe is that they're doing some sort of uh, pre-pruning, if you will. Mm -hmm. They're like just doing what they think is right. Like Ravona, she's like decided she's in charge of time. 
And uh, she's like, well, I know for a fact, based on the time I've seen, that um, that Sylvie is going to become a problem for me, so I'm going to cut her off as early as I possibly can, which is morally uh, not a good. And it's getting into stuff like <laughs> a movie like Minority Report feels very mm-hmm. present here in a lot of the uh, the philosophy that may be underlying this. Well, in Minority Report, there's three people in a milk bath, and here we got three timekeepers, so it's basically the same thing. Exactly. And we couldn't see the milk, but... I guarantee you 100% that there was milk that was fueling those robots. Yeah. They, those robots drink milk. Uh, 100%. Most milk. Uh, I've seen Westworld, and they're full of milk, right? 100%. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, and this is, again, jumping all over the place, but just talking about robot stuff, we got a classic Tears of the Rain speech from Hunter B-15 when they went to Roxcart. Uh, I mean, not the Tears of the Rain speech, but certainly, like, I called back to that. She's very robotic as a hunter. She's following orders. Uh, Sylvie breaks her out of that, giving her memories back. I love the choice of not actually going into her memories and seeing it. And just see it through, I think it's Wonmi Aksako. Uh, I'll look up her name. Uh, But Wonmi's face and facial expressions and having her live through that. But it definitely seemed like that Blade Runner thing a little bit, which gives us the second out of three Marvel series that have had references to Blade Runner. The first one being WandaVision, which had the whole Tannhauser gate and crying vision thing. So we're leading up to some sort of Blade Runner event to the MCU, right? I mean, I feel like Blade Runner is just everybody loves Blade Runner. Anybody, sure. everybody wants to reference Blade Runner. Blade Runner is this Nexus event when it comes to filmmaking. So people are like, I'm just going to reference Blade Runner a little bit. Do you bit. think people are going to do that from now on? They're going to refer to really seminal movies as Nexus events? I think that's where we're getting to, yeah. Oh, uh, we're all variants. Stuff. Fast 9 is definitely a variant that needs to be pruned. Little side note on this, I did not even realize that one me was Ruby from Lovecraft Country. I don't know if you watched that show, but yeah, yeah. I didn't put together because her performance was so different and her look was so different here, but she's great. She's she great. really good. In a role that like you're sort of, she's just like a soldier. She's like a foot soldier. And then she really distinguishes herself in last in this episode, I think to be like this, if all of Loki's emotions and some of the other, like the friendship love paradigm we're talking about with Loki is end up going to be sort of pruned or not real. I think her emotional journey here really then becomes the true emotional journey of these characters. I also wanted to give you a shout out. I was thinking about your stuff that you've been talking about on the podcast here, because so much of this episode was about lying and who's lying and who's lying to who, whether it is, about things about the TVA, whether it is about friendship, whether it's about love or anything like that. Obviously, that's core to Loki, which is something that we even talk about here in the episode. But that seemed to be a very central theme that they were playing with specifically in this hour. Yeah, everybody's playing everyone all the time. And uh, I think they're everyone thinks they're right. Everyone's trying to do the right thing. Like the Owen Wilson sort of arc in this episode was really fun seeing Mobius um, just like very chill, uh, chilly betray um, his the TVA, side with Loki, and then go out really craving jet skis, which I think is the one true thing mm-hmm. in, the, in the Loki television show. That, uh, jet skis do you think, do you think maybe the idea here is to have a well-rounded life, you have to lie? Is that part of it? Because Mobius 
isn't really a full person until he starts betraying his friends and organization. I think what the Loki core idea is, um, if you think Loki's a hero, when he's played for a hero, and I think we're going to get a lot of variants of Loki as we saw at the end of the episode. So this may be a conversation. Um, I think you're, you can lie if you're getting after a greater truth. That's a morally slippery slope to start <laughs> saying, like, that's a good thing to do. But I do think that's what everyone does that. Everyone, and that's the slippery slope that I think Ravona did. She maybe started, and that's the flashback episode that you just maybe, maybe we're going to see next episode. She probably started trying to do the right thing. Like, oh, this multiverse is actually bad. All these broken timelines. Let me just prune some of those up. And then you start to uh, do the slippery slope thing, and pretty soon you're going back to Asgard and pruning this child because you think she's going to be a problem later. And that's where we're at. So I, I think it's all about people trying to do the right thing and ending up in a very bad place. I think that's a smart take on it, but I do want to touch on one thing that you just mentioned. Do you think that Ravona is the man behind the curtain here? I do, yeah. You think, do you think there's a deeper person? The next person? Yeah, I still do. And part oh, of this... Oh, Al Pacino is Mephisto. Hooah! He's coming. Mephisto coming. I think, yeah, I think whoever it is, it's going to be some big Marvel character that they've mentioned in no way throughout the previous episodes of the show. No, I think it's... I still stand by, I think a Loki is behind this. I really thought we were going to get a Loki reveal as soon as the robot head fell. But part of the reason I think Ravona is not the person behind this is she still went into the timekeeper's room at the beginning by herself. Like we just saw the scene where she's taking Sylvie and Loki into the timekeeper's room and escorting him there. I'd have an easier time believing she's the person behind it, particularly because she's one of the only ones left. We do get that earlier scene where she's going in there. I do think she knows they're robots. I do think she knows that they're not real, but she there's a moment when she steps into the room towards the beginning of the episode and she takes a very halting and very nervous breath. So I still mm. think there's something that she's like, she fears. And the immediate speculation, I know we've talked about this a bit, because Ravona Lenslayer, I believe, is the daughter of Kang in the comics. The immediate speculation is Kang is behind it. But uh, like I just said, I don't think... We're going to suddenly get episode six. I am Kang. I've been behind this the entire time when nobody has mentioned anything about Kang before. I think it's yeah. going to be a Loki. What do you think about Ravona being a Loki? Mm. She's a Loki variant, a lady Loki, which we haven't seen, but we've definitely referenced that sort of idea in the show. Uh, and she has the, a Loki who did the most, the worst thing possible, went super straight and doesn't even believe in mischief anymore. Oh, man. What if they're all Lokis? What if it's Lokis all the way down? Look at the title sequence. It's a bunch of different fonts mm -hmm. of the word Loki. So I think this is going to end with as many Lokis as we can cram in here. One of us is a Loki. I do think at least part of it, of what's going on with Ravona, is we do get that scene in the judges chambers of the flashback with Kelly Fleming with young Sylvie, where she either accidentally or because she hesitates or whatever happens, she lets Sylvie go. So I do think at least part of this is Ravona cleaning up her mess, you know, not owning up to it, not revealing that particular fact that this is all kind of her fault and covering it up in a certain way. So I do think at least that's part of her motivation or a large part of her motivation versus her being the mastermind behind all of this. Yeah, and I will say that scene uh, 
clearly Ravona, if she is the big bad, didn't invent the TVA based on that scene. Like the TVA was a thing, but I think that's that's where I had the idea that maybe it's going to be. It used to be this sort of regular bureaucratic organization that was like, let's prune up these broken timelines off the multiverse and just like keep all the good ones going. And then she's like, no, let's have one timeline. Let's just keep everything. Why have all this variation? It's a problem. Hmm. Um, and so I, my guess is she went from this regular organization and took it over and turned it into this sort of uh, controlling, um, using variants as their foot soldiers, bad organization that it is now. Interesting. I... This is a very broad statement and doesn't necessarily have to do with the Ravona thing, but I just wanted That's to- That's what sh- podcasts are for, broad just statements. Broad statements. I just wanted to mention, I really like the writing in this episode. I thought there was a lot of very solid turns of phrase, particularly in the conversations about friendship, both between Ravona and Mobius and also Mobius and Loki. I love the fact, you know, this is coming off of, I think there was a big discussion about- the last episode, the Sylvie Loki episode, where some fans, which I think is crazy, no insult to anybody who listens to this podcast, but that it was a little too talky. Mm. And I go entirely the opposite direction. My favorite scene, I think, of the episode was just Mobius and Loki sitting down and talking. And Owen Wilson and Tom Hiddleston's rapport there, the way they go back and forth, the way they're parrying, the way they're talking about everything was so thrilling to watch. And that's... That's not easy to do. It's not easy to make a back and forth talking scene so interesting. This is a talky show. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, they we get a little fight at the end here, but otherwise this is sort of just a lot of walking in and out of rooms, having serious chats um, with a couple of fun moments in between. And like, I agree with you. Like, I love that. These actors are great. The way that they're sort of, the things they're talking about are exciting. Like, it, it's really working. Yeah. My but- favorite line was... Um, another folksy dopey insult from this folksy dope. (laughs) So funny. Yeah. Let's talk about Lady Sif, the big MCU return this episode. So great to see her back. I know she was very underserved in the Thor movies. I don't even think she showed up in Thor Ragnarok at all. But we finally got to see Jamie Alexander again. She got a big, really full emotional arc in this episode. So that was great to see. And I hope fans were pleased. (laughs) Yeah. This is the appearance that the Sif fans have mm-hmm. been waiting for, where she just uh, methodically says the same two to three lines over and over again. I felt a little bad, to be honest. Uh, yeah, I mean, I, Sif just doesn't get the star turn that I no. think uh, in anything. And, like, it's just hard in the whole Thor verse. There's so much going on. And in this, like, clearly this wasn't about her. This is just about the doing the groundhog's day thing for loki and it was i liked the the Mm -hmm. sequence of it it was cool and you do just feel a little bit bad for sif yeah uh i think the fullest arc that she ever got was the one episode of agents of shield that tied into thor the dark world where they start if i remember correctly they start in london and they're like huh this is some weird wreckage that happened during thor the dark world well time to head somewhere else and talk to sif and see what's going on with her but you know, maybe she'll come back at some point. Maybe I, I think she's in Thor and Love and Thunder. So hopefully they'll do a more solid, better job with her there. But still nice to see her and a fun yeah. sequence for our Loki. Can we call him our Loki? Is that OK? I think that's the only way to distinguish. There's going to be so many Lokis in this show uh, very soon. What are we going to do? Loki Prime? Our Loki? My Loki? Your Loki? 
We, we can each claim Loki. Loki. Yeah, exactly. Wait, which one is yours? Um, if my theory's correct, I'm going to take Ravona. Ooh, the dark like horse it. Loki. I'm going to take Mobius, who is also a Loki. Nice. I'm going to take the jet ski, which is a Loki jet ski. <laughs> that has a little hat on it. The, those that's are the, the handlebars. Oh, yeah. oh, yeah. There you go. A couple of other little notes I wanted to mention. There was a ton of speculation off of the trailer when it first dropped that Black Widow was going to show up, but it turns out it's actually just Sylvie with some red lighting on her hair, which mm. was kind of funny. Can you imagine Black Widow showing up in this series? That would be so odd. <laughs> yeah. Well, it makes no sense now, but I think back then the speculation was that Loki was going to have to confront all the things that he had done wrong in his life. So, And it also looked like... Oh my God, I always blank on this. What's the name of the terrible planet where Black Widow died with the Soul Stone? Uh, Ver, uh, Vermeer? Vermeer, yeah. I think that's right. Anyway, the planet kind of looked like Vermeer, so I, I see how people potentially could have put that together, but obviously that's not what it was at all. There was also a little tease here. I'm a little bummed that Pete isn't on this episode because I feel like this is the one detail he would have picked out of the entire episode, but Mobius mentions that they've had to pull in Cree titans and vampires clear yeah. setup for the blade movie right huge there. definitely a nod to the blade heads uh, out there like and he turned to camera and winked at that yeah. time too which is and he like, said uh hey mahershala you're ready wow yeah. you're right <laughs> good way to warm up there mm-hmm. um yeah he was uh, and it's weird when he said um the blade movies are definitely the original blade movies are part of the mcu which yeah. was great gratifying for Pete. <laughs> Pete loved it. I heard him cheer somewhere. Uh, let's, should we talk about the end of the episode? Like the yes. very end of the episode, the teaser after the credits. So turns out there's a couple of things here. We definitely should talk about all of these Lokis that show up uh, for our Loki, our shared yep. Loki, if you will. Our shared, we share. We, mm-hmm. He's our, our child, our boy, our best boy. Yeah. By our the way, it's just a reminder, but it's my weekend. So I'll be picking him up at like five on Friday. Yeah, the reason he's so mischievous is because we're divorced. <laughs> and we so haven't sad. been able to really be the fathers that this Loki is needed. So we get to see these Lokis, which is great, and I do want to talk about them. But I almost feel like the bigger reveal here is it seems like people who are being pruned are not actually being deleted. They're being said somewhere else. Was that your impression as well? Yeah, and I think it's we since we both lost both Mobius and Loki to pruning, I feel like we're not they're not dead. We're going to get... We're going to get them back. We have two more episodes. Obviously, we already get Loki back, but we have to get Mobius back as well. Unless he's just out there jet skiing like a motherfucker, uh, like he's always wanted to be. Um, I think we have to see him again. Uh, Yes, and I don't know how this works in the overall logic of the show. Like, where do you go when you're pruned? Also, the term pruned, I don't know. I'm sick of using it. Oh, you don't I like think, it? I, Does it make you I think, think of, of prunes, pruning fingers? I think of the stuff? large. I think of the large raisin as opposed to um, the uh, yeah. shearing a bush. Um, but never before has pruned been used to be say things that are supposed to sound cool. Well, I will say the old classic Loki is pretty pruny, so maybe that's what they mean. Hundred percent. He got pruned. Yeah, that aging is the pruned. original pruning. Mm, that's true in many ways actually yes <laughs> i'm getting pruned from the timeline at about 80 uh, i imagine ish yeah. uh, 85 yeah, 90 right. if i'm real lucky who, who, who am i saying 52 <laughs> here. uh let's talk down these lokis because as mentioned four of them showed up i don't know i couldn't uh, find out who was playing alligator loki sorry about that uh i assume it's like I... tom cruise or something maybe al pacino hmm. 
Yeah. You think Al Pacino's sitting in the red makeup and like, yeah, yeah I'll do the alligator. If I'm yeah. not, if not losing me in this red Mephisto shit, let me just voice the alligator. If anybody disappears into a role in Hollywood, it's Al Pacino. He's, I never notice him in a movie. You know, I'm just exactly. like, oh, that was Al Pacino in there? No, he's a chameleon, and in this mm-hmm. case, an alligator. <laughs> but the three others, we got Richard E. Grant, who you probably know from a million things. Of course, we all know him from Spice World and Gosford Park. Those are the two main roles. Uh, <laughs> yeah, nothing else. Definitely. definitely. <laughs> uh, but he is, uh, and I love this, not just old Loki, but like classic Marvel Comics original appearance uniform down to the dinky look. Uh, I wonder if we're going to get a sense of him making his own costume because it almost looked like the Halloween costumes that Vision and Wanda wear over in WandaVision. Yes. But, very bright. I, very bright whites. I don't know who's doing the laundry for old Loki, but it is pristine. He's in a post-apocalyptic wasteland. The only thing that works is a washer and dryer, and that's it. Yeah. Oh, great detergent. He's shouting it out uh, for sure. The next one, people are probably pretty excited this about this one. Not only did we get Kid Loki in terms of young Sylvie, but we also got Kid Loki actually played by Jack Veal, who was little James from End of the Fucking World on Netflix. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that's fun. And the last one, very interesting one, and I'm curious to get your input here. We got uh, Diobia Opare uh, as like a Thor Loki, it looked like. Like he definitely has a hammer there. Holding some sort of hammer. So uh, yeah, I don't know. That's the one where I was like, I don't have a lot of bases for who this uh, this Loki is. Yeah. Um, it may be sort of like a, a, a switched a world switch timeline where sort of Thor and Loki are swapped in a, in some way and uh Thor's the the villain and this Loki has the, has the Mjolnir and he's sort of more the hero heroic Thor I think would mm-hmm. make sense here if it's like old evil uh Loki um and then heroic Loki and kid Loki who is um sort of undecided about what he wants to become and of course alligator Loki Yes, who the Al Pacino, as we've established. Yeah. Uh, real quick on the name Al Pacinigator. I don't know what that was. Uh, That was kind of like an alligator thing, but it just didn't work. Uh, Real quick on the actor, if you kind of recognize him, the guy who's playing the Thor Loki, he was Mr. F. Young on Sex Education. Uh, He also played a character named Loki on Santa Clarita Diet. So that's pretty interesting. That's weird. But most people probably know him as Arohota from Game of Thrones, in case you recognized him there. You think that's how they cast it? They were like, hey, you played a Loki in another TV show. <laughs> You're in! Get in here! Yep, that's how it works. They did a search on IMDb, and they're like, bring in anybody who's played a character named Loki. Let's do it. That's how Hollywood works. It's mm-hmm. fast. It's fast, and it doesn't make any sense. <laughs> nonsense uh before we move on here though there's so many big moments in the episode that i'm sure we skimmed right by anything in particular you want to call out justin um <clears throat> i love the sort of wizard of oziness of the timekeepers how like they were just straight up bad robots they were like hall of president style clunky animatronic ro- robots like yeah. rejected Chuck E. cheese robots <laughs> that were barely speaking. <laughs> it was hard to hear them. It's like, hey, I'm here for a pizza party. Can you turn on these robots a little bit louder so we can all hear them? Somebody should have come out in a timekeeper costume, like very ill-fitting and be like, hey guys, it's time to party. Yeah. Like Clappy, Chuck E. Cheese. Buddy. Clap your hands. Yeah. yeah. We've all uh, been there. Have you ever been to a Chuck E. Cheese birthday party? Definitely. Um, I grew up in Syracuse, New York area. Yeah. There's a Chuck E. Cheese that we went to. 
stay out of the cheese holes underneath the stage because there's there are fights down there. Oh, nice. Did you were the was the costume mouse also very tired and sad for you as well? Is that like across the whole franchise or was it just the one in Brooklyn? That's a mandate. Chuck E. Cheese um, is canonically uh, struggling with a lot of issues at home. <laughs> oh, the whole cheese, the whole E. Cheese family is mm-hmm. uh, the E not, stands not for empathy, which yeah. he feels everything very deeply and it hurts him. I'm sorry, Alex. That was your father in the Chuck E. Cheese costume. Oh my god, he was really disappointed in you. <sighs> my father, by the way, also a Loki. Yeah, it's true. It's true. It shows uh, any other moments you wanted to call out? Yes, uh, great. Um, I uh, we talked about um, Hunter B fifteen, how great that stuff was. Oh, I love the Palm Pilot. We get to see the close up of their uh, the temp their pad. Little, the te- yeah, the the time pads, um, and seeing that close up and how like old timey tech it was, I thought was uh, really fun to get that close up. It's those sort of details. And I don't think we're heading in this direction, but those sort of details, because everything is so much fun about the TVA, uh, makes me not want Loki and Sylvie to succeed. Like, I don't want them to bring down the TVA. I like the TVA. It's a fun place to play in. And I do think, we've talked about this before, but given that this is the one Marvel show that we know there's probably going to be a season two, um, I don't think they're going to destroy it or anything. They're just going to change it. So we still will get those details. But I definitely had a little feeling in this episode where they're like, we're going to bring this place to its knees. I'm like, but it's fun. I don't know. I'm having a nice time. But if you know Marvel, they're not going to erase anything. Like you said, they're just going to change it back to the more bureaucratic organization run by a jet ski loving Mobius. That's oh, my great. Uh, All right, why don't we move on to our vision board where we talk about what we want to come up in the next episode. Justin, what do you want to see in episode five? Well, I I mean, we've talked a little bit about it. I think we're going to get a lot of Lokis. I think we're going to get a flashback um, to uh, Ravona's journey and the revelation at the end of the episode that she is behind it all and she is perhaps a Loki. That's my vision board. I definitely think, uh, like you're saying, I think episode five is the one where we got to get the villain reveal, right? Like, that's pretty much happened in each of the previous Marvel series, just in terms of pacing. We're here at the end. So just an understanding of what they're dealing with as they're going into episode six. I feel like that's a no-brainer. But I still want to see the thing that I called a couple of episodes back about just tumbling through a bunch of different timelines. You know, we got that a Mm. little bit in previous episodes. Very interested in these new Lokis that we get to see towards the end. But, you know, I want to see an army of Lokis coming together to take down the TVA or transform it into something new. And I kind of think that's what we're going to get. Uh, A Loki Voltron that's sort of all holding on to each other. Love it. The other thing that we know we're going to get, though, is... That scene from the trailer of Vote Loki from Daniel Kibblesmith, friend of the show's book, mm-hmm. uh, we are definitely going to see that. It'll be interesting to see if that's our Loki or another variation of Loki. Maybe we'll get an expendable style going around and get in the, get in the team together, just a bunch of Lokis. Well, and I think Loki's going to have sort of a crisis of uh, an existential crisis where he has to choose what kind of person he is. Is he a good guy? Is he a bad guy? I think that's going to be something going th- running through this next episode as well. And it's going to end on like, I'm Loki. It's I'm in the middle somewhere. I'm a mm-hmm. mischievous do-gooder. I want 
to I'm selfish, but also want to do the right thing. It'll also be interesting to see, and I do feel like this is a last episode thing at this point, because we'll probably have Loki and Sylvie separated, at least for the next episode, some clarity in terms of their relationship and what that means for that golden timeline or whatever is going to happen next. Um, I don't know. I'm still not totally feeling like we're necessarily going to get romance from them so much as even him just saying, I like you, you know, as a person, which is a big admission for Loki to make that he cares for somebody and that he trusts them because I don't even think he's necessarily told Thor that at any point. Maybe he has in one of the movies, but he clearly loves Thor. He's his brother, but he never tells him that. So saying that's... Go talk to your bro. Go talk to your bro. Give him a call. Call him on the alligator phone. I think you're slipping into an accidental Owen Wilson impression. Wow. <laughs> it just happens You're regularly. becoming him. Yeah. Oh, my God. Maybe I'm a variant. Oh, no. Is this an access event? Oh, wow. <laughs> All right, folks. If you'd like to support our podcast, patreon.com slash comic book club. Also, we do a live show every Tuesday night at 7 p.m. to Crowdcast and YouTube. Come hang out. We would love to chat with you about Loki, iTunes, Android, Spotify, Stitcher, or the app of your choice to subscribe, listen, and follow the show at Marvel Vision Pod on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. ComicBookClubLive.com for this podcast and many more. Until next time, stay marvelous. Thank you.